the flavor window is a really important part of a kid's palate development. And it starts from four months and goes around to 18 months ish. And their little taste buds are just really exploring and getting, getting set in patterns, right? This is what we like to taste. This is what we are going to start referencing for the rest of our lives. This podcast is partially supported by the real food for real moms postpartum prep guide. Hillary Bennett and I are nutritionists, and we co-created this resource to inform and empower mothers and prepare for a healthy and happy postpartum period. In our guide, we cover the unique nutrient needs of the postpartum mom and dive deep into the various aspects of recovery and lactation. We make sure mom and baby both have their bases covered, and we pair this with yummy recipes that will make it easy to stay nourished. Our guide takes you through practical steps for stocking your freezer with casseroles, soups, snacks, and so much more as well as giving you convenient recipes for after the baby comes. As a listener of this podcast, we're inviting you to be a part of our beta launch. You can snag a copy now for 30% off, and we'll send you the final version once it's released later this year. You can also get a free sneak peek by going to realfoodforrealmoms.com and joining our email list. We're so excited to have you as a part of this community, and we look forward to supporting you through motherhood. Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing podcast, where we empower the women to better support their families. Our goal is to educate on real food, raising little ones, and becoming our best selves. everyone. I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, and I have a master's in data and analytics. I'm a mom to three-year-old Connor and five-month-old Ashlyn. And Ashlyn has been exclusively breastfed until this week when we just started to introduce some bone broth. So I'm so excited to be getting into this phase of eating with her. And today I'm talking to Serenity and Joe of Serenity Kids. And I am so excited for this conversation. If you guys haven't heard me talk about their pouches. You haven't been following me for long because uh, we've been talking about them for a while. In our toddler eating episode, we cover their product quite a bit because it's a big staple in our household. So hi, Joe and Serenity. Hello. How are you today? Hey, hey. I'm great. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about yourselves? Sure. Uh, I'm Serenity Carr. I am the co-founder and CEO of Serenity Kids Baby Food. I We started this after I'd spent 12 years in corporate America. It was sucking my soul away. So I started this company and love it. And I am mom to two-year-old Della. I'm Joe, Serenity's husband and also co-founder of Serenity Kids, daddy to Della. I uh, have a long background in youth services and education work. I'm so excited to have you guys. So I I really am interested in your story because there's really no other product out there like what you guys are doing. And I know your website talks a lot about the nutrition background and your own paths to health. So could you share a little bit about that, how you became interested in nutrition? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. So, well, both of us were really sick kids and I'll share my story before Joe does his. So I had my first ear infection when I was two weeks old and my first round of antibiotics. And then the rest of my childhood, you know, multiple, I don't know, sometimes six or seven times a year, I would be on rounds of antibiotics, which didn't do anything for my gut health. Um, and I also ate mostly junk food. You know, um, my parents were both working parents. It was the eighties, you know, cheese whiz and chicken and a biscuit crackers was a normal dinner for us on occasion, you know, and, um, so I ate a lot 
way too much sugar. And all that caught up with me. You know, in my teens, I started really having serious heartburn and started, in fact, I was really excited that I got a car when I was 16 because I could drive myself to Walgreens to buy my own Tums instead of trying to like get my mom to remember to get them from the grocery store. So it's pretty sad. Um, and then by the time I was in college or right after college, I was taking antacids pretty much every day for the next 15 or so years. And it got pretty bad. I took another antibiotic for an ear infection actually in 2010 and God, it just killed my stomach. I don't know exactly what happened, but I couldn't even drink water without serious pain, you know, two seconds later. So I went to the doctor and I said, Hey, my uh, over-the-counter antacids aren't working. What can I do? And she gave me some prescription to take every day for two weeks and come back. So I went back for my two-week follow-up and I was like, okay, this is easy. This is good. My stomach feels better now. Thank you so much. I'll see you later. And she said, no, 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 wait, I need to write you this ref a refill for this. And I said, well, how long do I have to take this stuff? And she said, every day for the rest of your life, which I mean, I took that prescription home, you know, I took it home and I was like, man, I don't want to be on this every day for the rest of my life, but what am I going to do? I can't even eat. And so I called my dad, he's a shrink and he kind of calms me down, talks me down. And he said, you know, you should really read the book I gave you last year for Christmas, the one on the paleo diet. And I'm thinking, book, 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 book. He gives me dumb dad books all the time. I don't always read them. But I found it. It was on my bookshelf. And I was desperate. So I decided to read it. And I was pretty convinced, actually, by the opening introduction. It was The Paleo Solution by Rob Wolf. And um, I liked the anthrop anthropological background because I was an anthropology major at the time. So um, I immediately went gluten-free and then I went completely grain-free and legume-free and kind of in general junky processed food-free. And then about two years later went dairy-free, which was a big change and a big shift. And I'm happy to say that I don't I haven't taken that pill since then, actually. Um, my stomach health is actually extremely good and I'm the healthiest I've ever been at 43 years old. That's my that, version. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I actually have a really similar story where my health issues started as stomach problems, really in grade school, but in, in high school, it got really bad. And I got put on those same prescriptions, like completely blocking your stomach acid. And then I developed really bad mental health issues because I wasn't digesting any protein to make neurotransmitters. So ju that's just an aside to say, this is not an uncommon story. And it, it's what makes us so passionate about nutrition because we can see what a difference it makes. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Joe, you wanna Do you want to share your background, yeah, Joe? I'm, uh, I'm autistic. Uh, I wasn't diagnosed as a child. Uh, they you know, didn't really understand as much about autism back then. Uh, I, and finally in college, I got diagnosed with Asperger's. Um, now they now they know Asperger's is also just autism. Um, but I didn't fit the stereotype of Asperger's kid. I was very outgoing. I was very loud. I was very creative. Um, you know, so uh, they didn't, they didn't know what to do with me. They called me ADHD, uh, which wasn't accurate at all. Those medications didn't help. I was just a very larger than life energy and could, did not do well in confined spaces like school. Uh, and so I was in trouble a lot, punished all the time, uh, bullied a lot, a lot of social issues. Mom discovered that I had a, uh, 
gift for the creative uh, performing arts. So I became a professional actor and dancer and singer and was in all kinds of theater and television and movies and all kinds of things as a kid. Um, so it was great on stage, very difficult time off stage. Uh, and then in, and also had a lot of stomach problems. Um, I was sick all the time. Uh, stomach hurt all the time. I was overweight. Um, and now we know was a lot of food sensitivities, which we didn't know anything about back then. Um, uh, but you know, which also contributed to a lot of my behavior stuff. And, uh, in middle school, uh, I was annoying this popular girl one day and instead of being mean to me, she turned to me and she said, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to be cool. And I was like, I will do whatever you say. I'm so ready to be cool. And I learned the most important lesson of my life, which was that I could take feedback and become better, that I could change myself and uh, be a better version of me. And it worked. I started taking their feedback. I learned they essentially taught me social skills and I set me on a personal growth track that is continues to this day, always looking for ways I can be better. Um, also left me really passionate to change the world for kids. Uh, having such a difficult childhood, was really wanting to, to, to change the way we treat and interact with children to reduce the amount of shame and, uh, the, you know, the, and, and really encourage this emotional and social health. Um, in addition to, to physical health, because changing my diet in adulthood was a big part of integrating autism for me. Um, and, when I met Serenity, she introduced me to paleo and fell in love with her and paleo at the same time, that that diet was really uh, perfect for, for me. And I think I recommend it for other autistic people that I um, meet because it's just such a simple diet, just tricks, takes away all of the, the inflammatory uh, foods that are even more sensitive for um, an autistic body. And uh, when we pl plan started planning to, uh, to, to, to be serious. We started planning to have a kid. I always wanted kids. I drew pictures of my future children when I was five. Uh, so I've always wanted to have a, a baby and convinced Serenity that that was a good idea. She wasn't so convinced at the time <laughs> when we when we first met, uh, but convinced her and uh, you know started planning to have a family. Yeah, and because food has been such a big part of my life for the last ten years, I started wondering, you know, what. What do what am I going to feed my kid? And so we started looking around, and I was actually shocked. I mean, more than surprised. I was going to say surprised, but that's not true. I was shocked that I didn't see what I thought I would see in the baby food aisle. You know, I thought I would see foods that looked like what I ate: meats and veggies, healthy fats, and really, what I most mostly found was fruit. <clears throat> and then I thought, well. Maybe that's what babies are supposed to eat, fruits and rice cereal. I don't actually have any idea. So the summer of 2016, I call my summer of nerddom because I was such a nerd that summer learning everything I could about infant nutrition. I re read like a, a lot of my paleo kind of thought leader uh, role models had just had babies. You know, Rob Wolf, um, Melissa Hartwig, and Chris Kresser. And so I started reading about what they were feeding their kids. And I started seeing that sometimes they would make compromises for convenience. And a lot of them, or a couple of them fed their kids pouches and they didn't particularly love the ones they were feeding. So I thought, wow, that's interesting. And <clears throat> we really, we did a survey. I'll let Joe tell you about that. He's better with the numbers. We just, we wanted to see how, 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 how bad it really was. We, we put all the organic baby food pouches into a spreadsheet, 246 uh, different products and looked at the nutritionals. And turns out they had an average of nine grams of sugar per pouch. So overwhelming amounts of sugar. And for a nine, you know, 15 pound baby, nine grams 
equates to 90 grams for 150 pound adults. So this is quite a bit of sugar. Um, and it's from fruit, but it's like highly processed fruits, like boiled down skinned fruit. So essentially, you know, nutritional equivalent of jam and very, very sugary, less than 4% had meat. So almost no meat on the baby aisle, despite animal products being really important first foods and no fat at all, like less than 1% had two grams or more of fat. And USDA says babies need 30 grams of fat a day. Uh, breast milk is mostly fat. And, you know, it's a huge building block with a brain, which uh, brains are developing really fast during that time. And and yet these baby foods were all fruit, no fat, no meat. Um, so we set forth to create a, a really different kind of baby food. I love that. Yeah. It's, I, I like what you were saying, Joe, about just, this is kind of why we're here for the kids. And we as adults, like healing our diet, we're fighting against this upbringing, this how we ate for years, but we don't have to set our kids up to have to fight against that. And that's the big thing for me too. Like I found your product pretty quickly because the convenience, we, <laughs> you guys are parents now, you get it, I'm sure. Um, that I've, and you're a numbers guy, Joe, so you, you might like this, but I have this like equation that I look at whenever I buy packaged food. So I double the fat and I add the protein grams and compare that to carbohydrates. So it's kind of just like what percentage of the calories are from carbohydrates. And I keep looking at these pouches and and people who are trying to give their kids healthy food, it's organic fruit pouches and they're zero fat, zero protein all carbohydrate. And I'm like, well, this is, and it's, it's liquid. So it's going to spike your blood sugar quite quickly. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, I, I just love that that's available and that you're focusing on, on real whole foods. Um, cause yeah, it's, it's really going to set ourselves, our kids up to not have to go back and do that healing because it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. We get really mad ultimately. Like it was, when we did that study, we're like, this is like, outrageous. Yeah. Like it's not only like, Oh, how annoying we're going to have to make our own baby food. It was like, we were sick. We're actively poisoning babies ultimately, you know, like we're turning them into sugar addicts from day one with these, with these pouches that are, are portrayed as healthy. And, uh, and then the, the stats are scary. One in four children is diagnosed obese. One in five is diabetic or pre-diabetic. And one in five will be diagnosed with some kind of mental or emotional disorder by age 16, you know, and there's, and there's a litany of other health issues that our, our country is facing and children are facing that is, turns out is starting in infancy. And it's all preventable by diet. Yeah. And what I've seen is I think we have more acceptance, at least in a lot of the circles I'm in, of there aren't great packaged options. So even people who are wanting to do better for their kids and make their own purees, it still seems to really be focused on fruit and vegetables because we don't have this education around, well, let's not look at what the kids will eat. It's not just about eating food. It's about what do they need in their diet and how can we give that to them? Because I rarely see people making purees with meat in them, even for young babies. So uh, I, I think there's this, we're at this place where people want to do better and they kind of need this solution. So, and I know that you post things on your Instagram too. It's not just your pouches. It's kind of just like, let's, let's normalize eating organ meats for babies or eating meats or, you know, 
that's what they want. If you if you put that all on a tray, that's what a young baby is going to want to eat. Yeah, and that's we realized really early on that we weren't just a kids food company, we were a parent education company. You know, we really wanted to change the paradigm about what first foods babies need because what's on the aisle is exactly the opposite. And we knew that we would be fighting some sort of a battle with some kinds of customers. Right. But I will also tell you uh, one positive bright spot in this whole thing is we're growing really fast. So that means people are buying it. People are getting it. And it's from super awesome educators like you that really help get the word out. So we appreciate your work here. Yeah. Well, I'd love to dig into some of the nitty gritty nutrition stuff if you don't mind. And I'm guessing you don't. No. <laughs> um, so can we talk about iron? Because that's, I think, just one of the big things that right out of the gate babies need in their diet. So there is not iron in your breast milk. And if you're if you're using formula, there's likely iron added. But yeah, babies need iron immediately if you're if they're breastfed and it needs to come from red meat. <laughs> um, so yeah, do you want to just talk about that and how best you recommend introducing that? Yeah, so right around the same time that most babies start eating foods, you know, right around the six month mark or so, um, their body's iron stores start to deplete, and so they need to start getting that in their diet and iron fortified foods is not the same as iron from red meat. So heme iron is much more easily digestible, doesn't constipate babies and is gets, it's more bioavailable, right? It actually gets processed into their system, into their bloodstream. And it's really only found in animal sources. And so we decided very early on to concentrate on the highest quality animal proteins we could find to help start to start providing that iron source for them. So we just, I mean, our purees are really simple to make, right? We even give the recipes away on our website. It's not a company secret. It's not really hard to blend up sweet potato and kale and beef. But the reason that we, we sell this product is like you said, for the convenience. And so being able to have a convenient way to get additional iron into baby is something a lot of parents are looking for. Also, the sourcing, it's, it's hard to find really high-quality grass-fed, grass-finished, pasture-raised, regeneratively farmed meats in the grocery store. There's more and more, it's true, you can find them, but it is hard. And so we, and, and there's iron as one of the things that's proven across the board to be higher and superior in grass-fed and pasture-raised meats over their you know, normal conventional grain-fed counterparts. I love that you made that point because that's something that I will recommend is like a pate with beef liver and, you know, for six month old babies, right? When you start eating so that they get that iron. And I get that question all the time. Like, I don't know how to find a pasture raised meat. Uh, what kind of liver can I get from my grocery store? Like they can special order it for me. And I said, don't. <laughs> um I, I wouldn't eat a liver of an animal that you don't know how it was raised because of the toxic buildup it could have. But there's just so much uh, like it's easy if you're doing the sourcing for it. Um, so I and I do personally. Yeah, I make a lot of my own foods like that. Like I'll pate make purees of pate, but we still use your pouches all the time. My son is three and he loves them still. Like it's, you know, if we're going to go to a party, 
and they're going to have cake there. We'll get to bring a squeezy pack. And he's excited about that. Like he's, you know, not even looking at the cake and they're, you know, they're fun. They have colors and it's like, it's a treat, but it makes it so easy for me to just, you get to bring this food. <laughs> I love it. Sturdy kids, toddlers like it better than cake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about better, but I, I mean, he will, it'll distract him. Like he won't be interested in the cake because he has something he likes, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't done like a, a compare, like a, a taste test, but um, yes, toddlers will choose this over cake. So totally. Um, and then how about DHA? That's another one that's tough. Cause I, uh, we've talked a bit on this podcast, like a lot about the postpartum aspect, cause it's really needed for your breast milk as well. And you're not getting, your babies aren't getting much DHA if you're not eating DHA and it goes into your breast milk, but same for once they start eating solids, DHA is something that you're not just going to get from a multivitamin or another source. You pretty much have to eat fish. And we, you know, that conversion, you can get the omega threes from like flax seeds, but that's not going to convert really well to DHA. And that's so important to brain development. Um, So I know you guys have talked a lot about that. Yeah, we actually have a blog post about DHA and how to get it from real food sources. And I and I have just an anecdotal story to tell you. So um, one of our customers, baby had a stroke at birth. And so he has had a lot of neurological challenges growing up for the past year and a half. And they the hospital and doctors knew enough, right, to put, the, put him on a good DHA supplement. And he was still having seizures regularly. And then she started feeding him our salmon pouches and they decreased substantially to, to very, very seldom now. And so I think, you know, having available DHA, it's, a, it's an area of research that's still much, very much ongoing. We're learning a lot more about sources, bioavailability, absorption rates, and things like that. But the, one of the best sources to get DHA from, unless you're going to go pick your own algae, is to get it from fish, you know, and... Um, so kind of big fatty fish or some, or not even all just wild, big, but fatty fish. Caught. Yeah. Wild caught is the best, of course, for toxicity purposes. So we, you know, <laughs> when you talk to most Americans about you know, like pureed room temperature fish mixed with vegetables, it doesn't sound super appetizing. But when we did a study, gosh, this was two or three years ago, way before we had products out, we asked moms what flavors they or what kinds of meats they would want for their babies and salmon was by far the winner. So moms know, right, that DHA and all these omega-3s are really important for their babies. And the salmon flavor actually does really well. And our two-year-old loves it. I mean, she asks for the fish one. I mean, I don't particularly enjoy taste testing it when it comes to be that time. But, you know, it's uh, the nutrition can't be argued with. Yeah, I have not tried it, but that is the one we buy the most of because it is, I think just people in general aren't cooking fish as much, even though we all know we should. Um, It's the same thing with finding a good source of it. Do you know how to make it well? Because sometimes the texture can be weird. So it's like if we're not making it for ourselves as adults, our kids likely aren't getting as much of it. Although my son will eat sardines and he is the only one, but it's, you know, we make it just for him. And 
but yeah, it's it's just easy. That's the the pouch I buy the most because I know like we eat a lot of red meat, we eat a lot of chicken, but we're not cooking fish fish as much as we should. Um, yeah, when, when we cook, we started cooking salmon extra after Della started eating foods, you know, when she was, I don't know, eight months old ish. And it was actually very easy to feed her. So for those parents who are thinking about maybe increasing the fish in their diet, um, it's super flaky and it's not as, you know, chewy as like a piece of beef might be. So it's, an, it's one of the most recommended foods that we ask or that we recommend for people to start with. For there's, little there's even some great canned salmon brands yeah. that, that Della really likes. My, my mom actually brought it. We call her mom. She, she goes by Nana. Uh, she brought it with her and fed it to Della. And now we call it Nana fish. And she loves the Nana fish. These just the canned fishes. And it's a great, she can just pick it up and eat it. You know, it's, you don't need teeth because it's already soft. Yeah. And that's part of why we love sardines. Cause it's just opening a can, but, yeah. um, I don't know. Sometimes then it's just like you have part of the can left over yeah. and it's, I, we definitely do it, but I don't, I'm not getting fish three times a week. I'll yeah. admit that. I'm a bad nutritional therapy practitioner. <laughs> it's, it's once or twice. It's not never, uh, but yeah, it's a big favorite of his. So we are happy to have the pouches. And like I said, it's even a treat. It's not like, oh, we have to get his fish in. Like he gets to bring that to the park. <laughs> And it's pretty, so. like you said, you know, we, we chose fun colors and we, we decided to represent the animal on the pack because we want kids to have a better idea of where their food comes from, you know? So we used the animal silhouettes and pe- my daughter calls it the fish one. She calls the cow one, the moo one, the chicken, the bok bok one, you know? And so it's a, it's a fun game too. Yeah. And I, I just want to talk quickly about fish oil supplements and I'll let you chime in if you have anything to say too but most of them are heat processed and this fish is so fish oil is very sensitive to heat damage so I do know a lot of people who think they can just take a little supplement like even the kids branded supplements a lot of them are just not great choices to be giving ourselves or our children because of how they were processed and for the most part, they're damaged by the time you're putting it in your body. (laughs) Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the story I was telling earlier about the kid who had some neurological difficulties and he was taking the supplements, but it didn't really show the benefit until he started getting it from a real food source. Yeah. The food kind of protects it from that damage. And also, yeah, you're not heat processing to get oil out of a fish. You're blending fish into your pouches. So I highly recommend eating it in food form rather than supplementing. (laughs) So um, let's talk about blood sugar. I know you touched on that with the sugar in all of the pouches, but why, why is regulating blood sugar so important for children? Well, it's important for, I'll start with for everyone. So, you know, sugar leads to inflammation and sugar crashes. You know, your blood, your sugar is really quickly processed by the body. It's not one of those slow burning energy sources like a protein or a fat, which is very slow. So you have, you know, you'll get a quick burst of energy and then your energy will drop off. And that's no different for kids from for babies. So if you've got, um, you know, a baby who's eating the equivalent, like one pouch for breakfast. So if that, that's, that would be the equivalent of 90 grams of sugar for an adult to be eating for breakfast. And if I ate a 90 gram sugar breakfast with nothing else, I would be a basket case. I mean, I would have 
<laughs> I, I would have a serious sugar crash. And so really keeping, um, sugar low prevents inflammation, which leads to disease, right? All different kinds of diseases, particularly diabetes and different metabolic issues. Um, it prevents fussiness from a bunch of sugar crashes. Um, it prevents sugar addiction. So the flavor window is a really important part of a kid's palate development. And it starts from four months and goes around to 18 months ish. And their little taste buds are just really exploring and getting, getting set in patterns, right? This is what we like to taste. This is what we are going to start referencing for the rest of our lives. So if you, it's really important to introduce a variety of healthy tastes during that time. So if you just introduce the sweet flavors from, you know, fruit pouches and sweet things, then the kid is going to be, have a predisposition for preferring sweet flavors later on. And studies show that if you provide a variety of different kinds of savory and spicy and umami and all different kinds of herbs and different flavors, that the kids will have a much more varied palate throughout the rest of their life. And studies show specifically that kids who eat less sugar during that time frame eat less sugar for the rest of their lives. Start to prefer a roots pouch over cake, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, I love that you mentioned the flavor window because, like I said, my daughter is uh, five months old now and we're just getting into this phase. But uh, so I'm a little rusty because I was studying up on all of this when my son was there. But yeah, we, he would eat sauerkraut and. Uh, and that was why I wanted to introduce things like liver and sardines. Cause again, like I wanted to be a great nutritional therapy practitioner and I was like eating the sardines and I was pregnant with him and I'm just like, I can't do it. Like you can't, I can't like them, <laughs> <laughs> but he can, he loves them. And it's just something he's going to have grown up eating. Um, so yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense with the sugar and just setting them, them up for, loving food. And it's one of those things with how we grew up. My dad will still like, he knows how my son eats, but he'll still make little comments. Even last night, I'm like, okay, he wants his ice cream and his sardines and his Brussels sprouts and his sweet potatoes. And that was his dinner. And my dad's like, well, this is dessert. And I'm like, no, it's, it's, he loves, he loves chicken, just like he loves ice cream. <laughs> so it, it's us that are making it like, I don't know you know, like making that sit on a pedestal and making it like sugar is king, but you know, so I, I think it's just wonderful that we can do that for them. So, yeah, you know, uh, we <clears throat> very early on during the very angry phase, right. When we were kind of st <clears throat> starting the company, I just got so mad when I would read studies about parents being their, you know, kids a bunch of french fries and cakes and things and then i realized that our food issues rub off on our kids you know like the parents want to see their kids enjoy the same kinds of things they eat and if the parents are eating junky a lot of the times they'll feed it to the kids so I, we're on this crusade to help educate about the damages that that can do. And I mean, I know, I know how hard it is because I do it myself. I know how hard it is to feed your kids super nutrient dense foods from the right sources and to say no to all of the other things. Right. But you and I and Joe, we have all experienced firsthand the pain, quite literal, extreme pain that comes from all the junk. And so we know that the effort is worth it. And, you know, it's up to us to try to lead by example and modeling for other families, how it can be done. 
Yeah, we actually have covered that a lot. Just kind of this attitude around like, if I'm going to have a treat, don't let my kids see me saying I shouldn't be eating this or like this, like, shame and like punishment around food. And it's, it's a hard, like with all the diet culture, it's a hard thing to unravel and unpack. And like, what of this, what of these attitudes around food do I want to pass on to my kids? But uh, I love that you mentioned that because I feel like I'm talking about that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Preaching to the choir. I love it. Yeah. So, okay. What about food introduction schedules? And this is something, again, super interested in because I'm in that time. When I was doing this with my son, every, every source you look at has different foods at different timelines. So do you recommend certain pouches of yours that can be started right at six months? Or do you recommend any kind of schedule with getting started with it? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, we get asked about this a lot, a lot of something we'll all parents think about. Uh, you know, first of all, the six month time frame is not a magic number. You know, like there's, you know, I think Della started eating foods maybe a, a, almost seven months before she started being really interested in it. And you know, we had all these baby food pouches, so we were like ready for her to eat them, but we're like, let's not rush it because there's no reason to rush it if she's she was getting plenty of breast milk. Uh, so exclusively breastfed babies, you know, don't really need food until, first of all, they need to be sitting up. That's one big key differentiator. They need to be able to sit up on their own. Second of all, they want to show interest in food. Like they will start to really be interested in like what's on your plate and what's going on and kind of want to really in, into it. And um, and so those are kind of the main signs to look for. And there's no magic time that could be um, a little earlier than six months or it could be later, um, you know, but there's no no reason to rush. So once into it, you know, it's your simple soft foods, ideally. So we started with avocado. Um, egg yolk, uh, bone broth, uh, you know, very um, like pre-chewed meat. So I'd like chew it up for her. It's called pre-mastication is the technical term. Uh, Serenity wasn't into it, but I really liked pre-chewing it for her. It's what people did for thousands of years. Uh, And birds. Yep, and birds. That's right. He was a mama bird. Yep, I didn't always spit it into her mouth directly, (laughs) but, uh, you know, but still she would, you know, pre-chewed meat um, and, you know, just soft foods like that. And then uh, moving into to purees and, and other, you know, soft things like really, like really well-cooked carrots. Uh, but the, really our pouches can be fed at any point in there. Like there's, they're all designed for six plus months. Um, you know, the, the salmon is the only one with any, with, with an allergen. So there's nothing that, uh, that is normal uh, allergens in any of them. So you don't have to really worry about uh, an allergic reaction. Um, assuming you don't have a history of fish allergy. So, you know, you just kind of pay attention to that for the, for the salmon product, but otherwise they're all uh, great first foods, um, which would include our, our new, uh, bone broth toddler purees, you know, which are designed to be market that would they're they're designed for the taste buds of a toddler, uh, with a lot more rich flavors and also contain a significant amount of bone broth. Um, but there's no reason a six month old uh, couldn't eat them. You know, they're they're great flavors to introduce when they're ready for those. And of course, the bone broth adds a lot of nutrition. Yeah, and I just I mentioned I just started with bone broth. For my daughter, that was the first food. We're just trying to supplement a little bit because she she's a much larger baby and she's interested. So she's a little on the younger side. But mm-hmm. bone broth is really great from a digestive perspective, which I think is helpful for young babies because there's there's their digestive systems aren't fully developed anywhere near that six-month time period when your doctor's just like, okay, they can have everything. 
um, like you don't have the enzymes to digest grains until you're eight months old, which again is not gonna be the ideal food. But so I I think bone broth is a great choice because of it's easy on the digestive system and it can be really healing to the gut where there might be a little bit of upset with starting foods. It's it's just the first time these things are going through a baby's digestive system. You know, there it, it might be some gas, some um, bloating or some, you know, it, it's just getting used to it. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but that is why I started with just a little bit of bone broth because it's, it's easier on the gut. So, yeah. And that's an important point you make, you know, um, it is not super easy for babies to digest a whole bunch of fibers really early on. You know, it, it takes a couple months for, like you said, their gut to get used to that kind of thing. So when starting out, people ask us all the time, what's the serving size for your pouch? And it really depends on the baby, depends on the day, depends on the minute. In general, for for us, we had a little girl, and she, I, th- I think girls eat less than boys. I don't know if that's true, but at least from me and my friends, it seems to be true. And so she would eat, you know, a third of a pouch or a half a pouch at a meal. It's not necessarily something that we tried to push uh, very much. So kind of watch for the cues from your kid too. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, and for us, first foods are going to be egg yolk and then pate, like I said. Um, but I love, yeah, I love to be able to have these pouches available. And I'm glad you said they're, they can be used right away. So, uh, but yeah, for, for my toddler, he just loves them. And we did get a chance to try the new bone broth um, packets and he does really like those. Can you talk about why you wanted to introduce those and the benefits to children? Sure. So uh, one of the things we wanted to do was, expand our line for older babies. So when you look, when you look at the baby food aisle, we wanted to give something for from babies to toddlers and the bone broth specifically, we decided to add one, one because it's such a great first food. It's got just a ton of vitamins and minerals, easy to digest protein. It tastes really good. Um, so we decided to continue our meal theme with our pouches and do these meals. So they contain meats and veggies and bone broth and herbs. So it's targeted towards a toddler who who has like tasted the sweet nectar of real food and wants something that tastes really good. So we've added a lot of different herbs and spices. Um, So we have a chicken one, a beef one, and a turkey one. And they are super tasty. They're one of the first ones that we really focus hard on the flavors and the flavor window and getting a variety of different flavors in each of those three pouches. We wanted different tastes to, again, build up on the flavor window options. And um, bone broth is just such a great food for to support immunity, to support your joints, you know, growing up babies is joints are really important for skin, hair and nails for better sleep. You know, it's an easy to digest protein. So if you give it at night, I know that we would give bone broth to Della at night sometimes. And actually, sometimes I drink bone broth at night, and it helps me sleep. Yeah, that's so cool. And they're a little thicker, right? They're 
more like a stew almost than the other pouches? They're definitely still a puree, and it kind of depends on what the temperature is. So bone broth is gelatinous or collagenous, I don't know how you want to say it, at, you know, a low, a refrigerated sort of temperature. So if you have them out at room temperature, they're going to be a little thinner than if you've put them in the fridge to, like, save it for tomorrow. Um, and But the texture, it kind of, so it just kind of depends. Okay. Yeah. And we, we do use a lot of these pouches and it is like, we cook a lot at home. He's not generally having them for meals, but it is something that again, the convenience we really like, you know, if you're, if we're going to the park and we want to go over meal time and we don't want to have to worry about packing a whole dinner, it's like, Oh, we can bring one of these pouches. And uh, I like that. You're not just trying to talk about your pouches. <laughs> and Like there's a lot of, like, we want to support a whole healthy lifestyle for the kid. And this is part of it. And it's, I mean, honestly, we go through quite a few because it's summer and it's convenient. So, um, yeah, and I, I didn't I don't think we've talked a lot more about the meat pouches, but Joe just mentioned the roots pouch. You have the ones that are just veggies, but even those have fat added. So it's not just uh carbohydrates in the veggie pouches. Yeah, you know, fat soluble vitamins are very hard to get without fat. So, you know, we wanted to couple we know that babies might not always want to eat protein. Babies tend to I think their diets vary widely between meal to meal. And sometimes our daughter will, will kind of go on a protein strike for a couple of days and then just eat a whole bunch of it. So we wanted to give the babies really good choices and different options. But we really, really like our mission as a company is to get more healthy fats on the aisle. Cause, because like Joe said, breast milk is a half fat, the, the calories from that. And it's just such an important building block for little tiny bodies. So everything that we make has a substantial amount of healthy fat in it. Um, and so that all those vitamins and minerals that we've packed in there will get absorbed better if you have that fat that's included, because every parent knows it is hard to feed a baby. And each bite that you manage to get in there, it should be celebrated. And so if you can make each bite really, really nutrient dense, then I think you're winning. Yeah. And I like that you said that because kids actually have this amazing ability to self-regulate. Like they might not want protein even for a couple of days and then they'll just eat all the chicken. <laughs> and yep. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I like that you mentioned that. They haven't gotten anything addictive. So the problem with mm -hmm. that, if you add in sugar or super foods. processed dairy or processed foods, they're basically physically addictive. Like actually body will crave them artificially. And so that's one of the other reasons to avoid sugar because it's, you know, almost as addictive as cocaine. And so if you avoided that, then yes, the body, not just kids, but uh, adults, you know, you can trust your cravings if, uh, if you've avoided those, those addictive foods. Um, another, but if you, then you can just really just eat what you want and trust the kid to eat as much or of what they want. Uh, you know, and so Stella goes on on uh, fr on berry binges too, yeah. which has been really hard for some. Like, there's so sugar in the berries, I don't know. But then she'll like eat a bunch of them, and then she just won't. It'll be like a while where she doesn't even ask for berries, and she's just happy to eat meat or eat the fat or eat the veggies, and then she'll eat only veggies. And you know, I just have to trust that those, you know, that she's not had enough berries that that's an addictive mm -hmm. uh, thing that it's really her body craving that specific uh, antioxidant or you know carbohydrate. 
Yeah, I've um, I've had that too, where he just wants like all the melons, and it's like <laughs> I, I have to keep telling myself like, no, these aren't bad, and I'm not going to put those issues on him or force the other foods. And it's they're not coming from this damaged place, honestly. If I had a meal that was all melon, it might not be great for me because I have a history of blood sugar issues. But the the little kids, they they can they can eat a lot of carbohydrate. Uh, again, not for every meal all the time and that's all they have, but I think they can withstand a little bit more and they're super active. Like it, sometimes they need all of the berries. Because <laughs> right. they come, you know, because they come with the fiber, they come with all the, the vitamins that go with it, all that that liquid. Right now it's 103 degrees outside in South Texas and, you know, she needs more hydration and those are a good way to get it too. Yeah. Eat the fruit. Don't have the the squeezy pouch of just apples in it because like I said that will it'll spend less time in your stomach and it'll get absorbed into your bloodstream faster and cause more more of a blood sugar spike um because you don't have to break it down we try so. to encourage fat along with the the berries so she loves butter it's like one of her favorite treats she'll just yeah, eat grass straight fed grass-fed butter. butter so we just give her little chunks of butter she'll eat that along with the berries and we feel a lot better about it well, and I think it's important to, I like that you talk about the fats because I'm a big fan of fats and I could talk about them all day, but it, we grew up in this like low fat is good. And I think that's still kind of hard to shake from parents of our generation where we grew up with, you know, it was major low fat when we were growing up everything. <laughs> so um, can you talk about what is a healthy fat? I think in I think in general animal fats are probably the healthiest fats animal fats from really well sourced animals are probably some of the healthiest fats we can get. You know, there's all different kinds of theories. I personally think that saturated fat coming from the right kinds of animals is actually an extremely healthy food. Um you have all the unsaturated fats and monounsaturated fats, but for us what we generally do as a family as we we cook with very high quality meats. And if we make like bacon from pasture raised pigs, we keep that fat and we use that to cook our veggies and later. Um, as far as vegetable fats goes, we really only use avocado, olive and coconut oils um, because those are the easiest to process. They're not toxic industrial seed oils that are basically garbage from the food processing from the you know big food industry and they're not inflammatory. So that's why we really like, like those three. Yeah. And I like that you said that about the animal fats, because it's not just about not being damaged fats. It's about what nutrients are in this fat. Do they have these fat soluble vitamins and you're consuming the fat in a whole undamaged form. So you're able to absorb these vitamins, but there's a lot of people will switch to something like coconut oil. Cause they're like, Oh, this is saturated. So it's not going to get damaged, but it really doesn't have a lot of uh, it's not very nutrient dense, even though it is a great source of energy. Like if, if you're ketogenic or want ketones, like it's a good source of energy, but it's not necessarily as nutrient dense as these animal fats. Yeah, I think it's important. And, you know, it's important to get a variety of sources because you need different kinds of fat in your diet. So I think coconut oil can be a part of a well, well-rounded diet. Um, but again, the really well-sourced meat fats are full of the good stuff. Yeah. And then the fish as well to get that. It's, you know, it's whenever anything becomes a buzzword, like omega threes, then it's like, oh, we're going to create this market for this other source of omega threes that is kind of missing the point. (laughs) Exactly. So, 
Well, that was amazing. Do you have any thing you want to share about other food, like tips for parents getting started on real food or things they could do at home in, in addition to doing the pouches? You know, I think it's a lot of trial and error. Um, you know, so, so like have fun with it. It's a fun time. It's a lot of just finding a way to feed them what you eat. Mostly Della eats what we eat. And every week we do a what Della's eating Instagram, uh, story. So you can tune in and and watch different things that we're feeding her, but it's basically all foods we eat. So we just find ways to cut it up small or cook it or mash it or pre-chew it or find ways so that she's just getting a real variety. And she wants to eat what we're eating. Like she's really into, you know, imitating us and we're her model. So it's made us be healthier because that occasional gluten-free pizza, you know, she's going to want that too. So we try to, you know, so has, has us eat healthier. Um, but you know, I, I, I guess a few tips, a few tricks we found for meat specifically, um, ground meats are really easy for her to eat. Uh, she loves hamburger burger, uh, sausage, you know, um, lunch meat's great. Applegate has some really great, uh, turkeys and, and sliced chicken and sliced ham and hot dogs, hot dogs. She loves the, the grass fed beef hot dogs, um, you know, that we cut up for her. Um, and then the canned fish, nana fish, we call it, uh, works really well. She loves shrimp. Shrimp's pretty easy for her to eat as well as other kinds of fishes. Um, so and scallops, she's a scallop girl. Oh yeah. And she, crab. Yeah, she's obsessed <laughs> she with loves shellfish, it, which I love too. So it makes sense. And, uh, and then liver's great. And, you know, any way you can get liver into them. Serenity has a liver bone broth recipe that she makes. That's on our uh, blog where you just basically boil liver briefly with bone broth and then blend the crap out of it and then strain out the chunkies and then they can just drink it in a bottle or as a sippy cup. And Dull still loves that stuff. So it's, and it works great in a bottle when you're, you know, kind of supplemental as opposed to milk or or breast milk, you know, uh, post six months uh, is a, is a great supplement. Yeah, I did see that. And I think that's where I'm going next with my baby. If, if uh, she keeps doing fine with the broth. So I'm, I'm excited. And then something, Something my son really, just since he was really little, loved is just like chicken off the bone. Like it has, it has a handle and he could just like, I think even from when he was like 10, 11 months old, he'd get uh, a a chicken thigh or a chicken leg and get to just eat it. And so, so yeah, I think like making it fun, that's something now that he's almost three. So I've been making more like faces out of his foods or, and he gets to just enjoy the food. It's not this attitude of like, you have to take one bite or, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Learning and then I think pressure is, is a big thing. Like really l- trusting them to eat as much and what it is they want, you know, giving them a, a variety of choices, like six or seven small portions of a variety of foods. So they can really pick which one they want that day. It's been really hard for me. Like I really want her to eat more and more all the time. And I've had to really learn to like, not pressure her to eat. <laughs> yeah. It's really a process as a parent to un- unlearn these food issues. And I, so I guess that's something I'd recommend too, is just kind of sitting with that. Like where, where is this attitude coming from that you can't have chocolate chips until you've eaten your chicken? And is it something that's serving how, like what, how you want your kid to act with food? Um, yeah. And for parents who want, who want some support there, like we needed some support there. We love Janet Lansbury's unruffled podcast or her book, no bad kids. There's a lot in there about feeding toddlers. So that's a good resource to check out. Okay. Yeah. I'll link to that. 
And then, yeah, I think another thing is just like, you can't be too afraid of wasting food because that was a really hard one for me just with my parents are frugal people and it's like, finish your plate and all that. But like, you really can't have the, you can't have both of those, like trusting what your kid eats and trying to get them to be in tune with their bodies and also try to get them to finish their plate and not waste anything ever. (laughs) So that was a hard one too be okay with too but it's like okay this is important for the long term like once in a while we're gonna throw some stuff out because he's gonna choose not to eat it yeah it's been a real tough one for me i've been known to follow her around and try to put the food in her mouth just for the sake of finishing it and i'm just like don't do that i just need to stop doing that Well, this has been so awesome. I'm so excited for people to get to listen to that. And if you're following me really close with uh, Ashlyn's journey, you know that we're recording this a little bit ahead and the bone broth now is available. So at the airing of this episode, you can go out and buy that and it's brand new. So we're really excited and you can use our code nourished and nurturing to get 15% off your first order. Can you tell us where people can find you? Mm-hmm. We have a great website, uh, myserenitykids.com, where they can use that discount code you just named. We're also on Amazon and Thrive Market. Uh, we're in a lot of grocery stores now, Whole Foods and Sprouts, both nationwide and a lot of regional chains. We do have a store locator on our website if you want to type in your zip code and, and find us there. Well, thanks so much. And you can find me, Michelle, on Instagram at MichelleTaggy underscore NTP and at my website, MichelleTaggy.com. Bye.